Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live in the Washington, D.C. area, Saturday mornings from 9 till 10 on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1045 FM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. Lots of things going on this week. We're going to be talking about the top iPhone apps And, of course, there's going to be something very special that we're going to be doing today. We're going to talk about the physics of champagne bubbles because we want everybody to be fully prepared for New Year's. And you really have to understand champagne bubbles if you want to truly enjoy your champagne. The idea of the week is the algae-fueled bioreactor. Algae-fueled. Yeah, it it absorbs CO2 and a box, a, a box that's, you know, not that large, will absorb as much CO2 as a whole acre of trees. It's actually quite a good idea. Pretty cool. Yeah. And, of course, today, hundreds of earthlings are descending on Area 51. (laughs) I knew you'd be all over this. It's going to be a a big, big event out there. This week we're going to feature Cheng Wei. He is the uh, founder and CEO of Didi Chuching in uh, China. That is the number one you know, ride uh, hailing service, and he beat out Uber in China. It's an interesting, interesting story. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Yes, we got an email from Jim in Michigan. I've got an older Sony stereo system that I'd love to connect some Bluetooth speakers and headphones to. The problem is the stereo doesn't have Bluetooth built in. Is there any way to connect Bluetooth speakers or headphones to one of these old non-Bluetooth stereos, Jim in Michigan? Well, Jim, uh, the uh, the answer is yes, you can. You can indeed connect Bluetooth speakers and headphones to an older stereo system. You can use a device called a Bluetooth transmitter receiver. Now, there's kind of a nice one for $49. It's Tautronics, T-A-O-T-R-O-N-I-C-S, Tautronics, long-range Bluetooth 5.0 transmitter receiver. It's $49 on Amazon. You, you want to get the long range, and that way you can you can walk around the building, the room. You can walk to the next room, and you'll still get you'll still be able to have the Bluetooth connection, which is which is really really quite nice. It also notice it supports Bluetooth 5.0. You want to make certain you're supporting the latest version of Bluetooth. So if you've got say Bose Bluetooth headset, it, it will connect to it because that uh, I know some I had a friend of mine who who bought a Bluetooth transmitter, but it was an older version of Bluetooth, and, and his uh, Bose Bluetooth speaker headset wouldn't connect to it. So you just simply plug that into the audio output of your of your uh, of your uh, audio system. You know, you've got the audio plug. Plug that in, and then you'll you'll have to power up the uh, the Bluetooth signal. It it has a has, it actually has a USB port for power, so, and you can you could you could take and plug that into a plug. I'm, Probably your stereo system doesn't have USB on it. 
And so you power it up, and then you simply pair up, and then you are good to go. This will work for you know, a stereo system, a TV, any kind of old electronics that you that you want to connect to Bluetooth. This this device works really well, and it got great reviews on Amazon. We got an email from Doug in Arlington, Virginia. Dear Doc and Jim, I can't log into my router because I lost the password. Oops. And I need to log into it to make some much-needed changes. I'm so frustrated right now that I'm serious about not even putting a password on the router. That's not good. Talk him down, Doc. And the Wi-Fi connection. Talk him down. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, once I, you know, once I managed to get into the screen settings again, I heard there are programs you can download from the internet so you can hack into your router that will give you the password. Can you recommend one of these good hacking programs, Doug, in, uh, in Arlington? Well, Doug, the best way to solve your problem is to reset your router back to the factory defaults. Then you'll be able to log into your router with the default username and password. Now, uh, but you have to know what the default username and password would be. Now, you need to download your router's user manual. So just look up the d device manufacturer, type that into uh, Google, and type user manual. It's relatively easy to get. You'll probably get a PDF version. And it'll walk you through the process. But there's a little button on the back of your router uh, that you you it's sort of it's sort of in a hole so it's you know you don't push it easily and you might have to take a ballpoint pen or something to stick in there and push that down. But you say ball peen hammer. Yeah, not a ball not not a <laughs> not ball, a ball peen, peen hammer. hammer. No, no, you very very gently push it down and you push it down and then it will reset your 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 router back to uh, factory um, you know to, to the factory settings. So what you want to do then is you want to log into your router and then before you've well. You, it won't be hooked up to Internet, so you'll have to attach your router with an Ethernet cable to your computer. And then while your router is connected by Ethernet cable to your computer, you can simply log into it, and, you, and you, you know, it's going to be, there will be um, a um, an address for your router. Normally, it's like 192.168.0.1, or it could be .1.1 at the end. It's one of those two, and then you'll log into it, use the username and password, and <clears throat> the default, and then you immediately change that default username and password to something more difficult to remember. Now, <clears throat> I'd recommend that you put it on a piece of paper and tape it to the bottom of your router. It's an idea. You know, that, and then it'll always be there for you. And then what you have to do, you want to then, you want to name your, um, you know, name your Wi-Fi network, your SSID, and then you want to enable the, um, the most secure um, encryption that your router supports. And so you simply enable that because you don't want to run unencrypted. And then I think you will be set and good to go. Then once you have all the passwords, you know, you've got your your Wi-Fi password, which, you, which you're going to put in when you set up the encryption. You'll have the router password, which is how you log into the system. Write that on a little piece of paper. Tape it to the bottom of your router. The next time... You lose it, you just go turn the router over and you've got it. But that router reset is really easy to do, and lots of people have to do that. So don't worry about it there, Doug. I think you'll have no problems. We got an email from Helen in Rockville. Dear Doc and Jim, I've noticed that a number of my email attachments have not been delivered. One ISP actually told me the email was not when it told me that the email was not delivered because it was too big, so I divided it into two emails and, you know, divided the attachments in half, and it seemed to be delivered. What could be my problem? I receive large files up to 20 megabytes regularly. Is the problem with my 
email system or the person I'm emailing. I'm confused about this. Helen in Rockville. Well, Helen, there are many reasons that emails with attachments fail to be delivered. For one thing, um, most spam and malware is delivered via an attachment. So many uh, commercial uh, email systems or um, business email systems will actually scrutinize attachments, and they might be blocking it. I know, like uh, like at Stratford, if they're like if somebody has an attachment that's an executable file. Or if it's an XML file, it, it'll just knock it off. It, it won't let it through. So the, all the attachments are inspected. So it could be that, that it's not making it through that inspection. Also, many business uh, systems uh, have um, – um, they look at the reputation of your uh, email provider and say the free email systems like Gmail, Hotmail, Outlook.com, the free emails are the ones that – that spammers use or people that use and, and, or malware or hackers use to distribute malware. So if you are sending with one of those, you might be more suspect in the system. Now, other commercial email systems for businesses just just actually block all attachments because because people in the businesses just, you know, they'll, they'll click on anything. And so and then you have to then actively say that you're going to accept the attachment. So those are all those are possibilities. But the number one reason that it probably doesn't go through, and you guessed it, the file is too large. Because every email system will set an upper limit for the size of the email that it will handle. It could be 10 megabytes. It could be 20 megabytes. That's typical. And so more than likely, you're communicating with an email system that will not accept an attachment as big as you have. Now, and different email systems have different uh, d- different attachment levels. I know Gmail will take up to 20, 20 megabytes, which is really, really quite nice. So, uh, But then, say, uh, many of the business systems, they'll only accept up to 10 megabytes. So, so that you've got, a, you've got to be mindful of that, what the maximum size is on who you're communicating to. Now, here's the easiest way to handle sending large files. Don't send them as attachments. Send them as a link. So you can upload, you can upload your large file to Dropbox, to OneDrive, to Google Drive, or any of these other cloud storage systems. And then you can get a sharing link. Usually you can right click on the file and it will say create a share link. And you get that share link and you, and you simply send somebody an email with that share link pasted into the email, and they click on it, and that will open up the attachment. And they can choose to download it if they want. Doing it that way, it will go through always because it's simply not an attachment. Okay, good luck in sending all your big attachments to your friends. We got an email from Wendy in False Church. Dear Tech Talk, What's the best way to allow my bedroom lamps to be controlled with my smartphone or with Amazon Echo window in Falls Church? You should be a pro at this. Yeah, I, I do this all the time. <laughs> well, Wendy, there are two ways to do it. Um, there are two ways to do it. You could get a smart plug, uh, and then you could connect the smart plug to your Wi-Fi, and then there's an app that controls the smart plug, and then you can turn the lamp on and off with the smart plug. I mean, it works really well. Um, I like to use the Casa, K-A-S-A, Smart Plug by TP-Link. I've got Smart Wi-Fi, Casa Smart Wi-Fi Plug by TP-Link. It's about 
Uh, it's not that expensive, like $13, $16 on Amazon. I've got those around the house. I use them to say, like I've got a, um, I've got my Tableau up in the attic for, you know, getting over-the-air television, and sometimes I want to reboot it. So instead of, like, crawling up to the attic, I've got a smart plug up there, and I can, I can, I can turn off my, uh, I can turn off my Tableau, turn it back on, on again remotely. It works really well. Now, here's the problem. If you've got a lamp in, say, a public area, and you've turned off the smart plugs, then suppose you've got a guest that comes in. They'll come in, and the lamp won't work. There's no way they can turn the lamp on because the smart plug is completely off. So I also I use another method to turn lamps on and off. I'll put in a smart light bulb, and the and I then turn the light bulb on and off. Now that that works really well. Now I've got hue light bulbs all over the house. Uh, it turns out now you know if I if you get the full LED light bulb from Hue, it's a smart light bulb, smart Wi-Fi light bulb. If you get the small, if you get the 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 the, the ones that have full color, they're about sixty bucks a light bulb. They're expensive. But Hue also has just a um, dimmable soft white light bulb, and that's only $13. And so Hue's got the A19 LED 60-watt equivalent dimmable smart wireless bulb, $13.97. So that would be a good option. Now, what you'd probably want to do is get three light bulbs, and then it comes with a free bridge because <clears throat> the Hue systems um, use Zigbee to communicate to the light bulbs, and uh, and then the bridge communicates to the Wi-Fi. So the 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 light bulbs themselves are not on Wi-Fi. They're connected by Zigbee to the hub, the Zigbee uh, um, a protocol, and then the hub is connected by Wi-Fi to your router. So and so no, actually the the hub is actually plugged in by Ethernet to the back of your router. So if you had a um, a Hue light bulb in say three lamps. You could control them with the Hue app, turn them on, turn them off. You could control it with, with Amazon Echo or, or with Google Home. It's no problem. But the nice thing is, suppose a guest comes to the house and you've got the smart light bulb turned off. They just simply turn the switch, so they turn the light bulb on, and when they turn it back on again, it comes on. So your guests can turn on your lights if they don't have an app. So it makes them more functional if you got them in, in like a living room or an area where there are other people around. Because you don't want people to actually have to download an app just to turn on the light. So in your bedroom, I would think the, um, I would think the, uh, the smart plug is going to work because you're, you're, you know, you're going to be the only one there. But in, in the living room, you might, might want the uh, smart light bulb in those lamps. And it, it, Yes. Got it. I'm sorry. You finish, and then I'll ask my stupid question. Oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, I was going to say, is it true? I've heard this rumor that all wall switches in the Swirch, uh, shirts compound have been removed, and you simply do everything by iPhone now. Well, I do everything by iPhone, but I have another person in the house who is, ah. who is IT challenged. Challenged? Yeah. Yes. So we, we got switches on the wall for them, for her. But if you were by <laughs> yourself, you would not need wall switches. No. Wow. I wouldn't need I'm wall impressed. switches at all. I'm and, impressed. And, and I get my, my Hue light bulbs, by the way, I can control them remotely. I know. You've done it. Yeah. So I could sit here right here in the studio and turn the, the lamps on in my living room right here. And you have. And I have done that. Uh, you know, I can open my garage door from here. I know. I can turn on my Amazon Echo from here. You could probably here. lock the garage door, couldn't you? Yeah. And so, keep somebody from leaving. I know. So it's uh, I can <laughs> I, I can be extremely annoying with with all of these all these devices, and that is a that is sort of a secondary point of joy for me. 
<laughs> in addition to being able just to show this stuff to people. So I, I like playing with these things. And, and I actually didn't realize the advantage of the smart light bulb until recently. Really? Because, you know, I was always using the smart plugs. And then I, re- then I realized we had, we, we had people come over to the house and they, they couldn't turn on the lamps. And I, because, you know, there are other people that sometimes want to have a light. And now with the smart light, light bulbs, it, it's not an issue. They can turn on the lamp. They don't even know it's a smart light bulb, mm-hmm. and it works perfectly. So I'm quite happy with that option. We got an email from Tracy in Fairfax. Dear Tech Talk, I've got an iPhone, uh, and I'm using iMessage for most of my communications. Now, here's my problem. My boss communicates by iMessage with me on the weekend. That's a problem. And I don't like him to know that I've read the iMessage because sometimes I don't want to respond. It's the weekend after. I know. Can I turn off the iMessage notification for him, but leave it on for everybody else? (laughs) That would make my life so much easier. Until he figures it out. Yeah, I love the show, Tracy and Fairfax. Well, Tracy, uh, everybody knows you can enable or disable the read receipts across the board in your iMessage by simply opening up the settings app and toggling the read receipts on or off from within the messages menu. And but most people want to leave them on. But there's always a few contacts you would like not them. You would not want them to know that you've read the message. So you can turn off the notifications for just one contact. So you turn them on for everyone else by going to the going into settings and toggle on read receipts. And then what you can do is, what you can do if you just want to toggle off the return receipt for just one person, you open up the conversation which who who has the offending contact. That would be your boss. And you tap on I in the the little I in the top right-hand corner. And on that screen, you'll see Send Read Receipts. And you can toggle it off. Now, in this case, you're simply looking at one conversation. So you are toggling it off just for one person. And that one person would be your boss. And I think that will solve your problem. We got an email from Lori in Virginia Beach. Dear Tech Talk. I've started buying many products online, especially from Amazon. I tend to rely on reviews, but recently I heard I heard that companies pay for fake reviews. How can I tell if a review is if a review is fake? Love the show, Lori in Fairfax. Well, uh, in uh, Lori in Virginia Beach, I mean. Um, well, Lori, you're right. Many reviews are fake. In fact, that is a huge, huge controversy, especially in Amazon. Amazon's got lots of fake reviews. Now, companies have been known to hire fake reviewers to praise their product and boost sales. So if you're browsing Amazon or Yelp and suspect that the reviews you're seeing are fake, there's a quick way to support your suspicion. There's a program. I've talked about it before, fakespot.com, fakespot.com. Now, this site analyzes the comments and works out whether the reviews are, are likely to be fake. You see, the fake reviews tend not to have any details. They tend to have the same words over and over again. They tend to be fairly obscure in their comments. And there's a certain pattern in these fake reviews. And so fakespot.com has an algorithm that analyzes these, and it will tell you the percentage of the reviews that it believes are fake. So simply go to fakespot.com, and then you get the product URL from Amazon or whatever, or Yelp, whatever, wherever you're looking at, or Airbnb, whatever it would be. And uh, take and plug that URL into fakespot.com, and it will come back and it will tell you 
the the percentage of reviews that are fake, and it will you know tells you the reliability of the of the whole reviews in general. It's really a good program. Now it gives you an answer back right away, because if somebody else has requested that analysis before you, maybe two days before you, FakeSpot.com has stored the answer that was previously computed, and they just give you that answer. So you do have the choice if you would have like to have the the the, the most up-to-date analysis of uh, of fake uh, fake reviews, you can click a button that says, "Do the calculation now and give me the latest results." And that will take about that'll take a few minutes to get back, especially if there are a lot of reviews. It's got to do a lot of crunching to get the answer. But so I've done both, and I and I've uh, usually there's not that much difference if I just do it immediately and and wait a few minutes or take what's already there. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2, and you can follow us on the web at stratford.edu. Learn about all the programs at Stratford University by going there. Tech Talk continues in just a minute. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... I fixed it! I fixed something! Wow. Today we're going to feature Chen Wei. Chen Wei is known, best known as founder of DD. Kuching, China's largest mobile transportation platform, and he is also known as the man that outmaneuvered Uber. Chen Wei was born May 19th, 1983 in Shangro, China. When the you are you're on fire with I the pronunciation know, I'm today. I'm just really working on it. And when time when it came time for him to sit for his university exams, he was a little bit ill. He didn't feel good, but he took them anyway. His scores weren't that high, but he did manage to get into Beijing University of Chemical Technology. He received a BS uh, from uh, in business from Beijing University of Chemical Technology in 2004. Then as soon as he graduated, 
he got a job to serve as an assistant to the chairman of a foot massage company. And he worked there for about six months, and he said, you know, this just is not what I'm, what I want to spend my life doing, working as an assistant to the chairman of a foot massage company. So then in 2005, he applied to Alibaba for a job in business-to-business e-commerce sales. Now, Cheng Wei rose into, in, in Alibaba up to being sales manager for the northern region of China for all, Alibaba. And then in 2011, he moved to Alibaba's e-commerce online payment arm called Alipay, where he uh, rose through the ranks to become the company's largest regional manager. And then in 2012, he quit and started his own company called Beijing Orange Technology Company. And with that company, he launched Didi Dashi, which Didi Dashi means beep, beep, call a taxi. What? <laughs> That's right. Didi Dashi in, Ch- in Chinese means beep, beep, call a taxi. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> in 2014, Uber rapidly gained traction in China after its local unit received a cash injection from Baidu. But Cheng fought them. Now, he actually, uh, he's got a great eye for talent. By the way, he likes to wear these framed eyeglasses, rectangular framed eyeglasses, and polo shirts. So Cheng Wei looks a little nerdy, but he knows how to hire good people. So when Uber was trying to make their big move into China, he hired a guy away from Goldman Sachs Asia called Gene Liu. And Gene Liu was then promoted to chief operating officer and fundraiser. Under Ching Liu's guidance, Didi outmaneuvered Uber because it gained backing from Apple. In February 2015, the company merged with its rival, Kaidi Dashi, to become Didi Kaidi. Kaidi. Didi Kuching, and then it was later renamed Didi Kuching. So he basically he merged with his his uh, his Italian his other Chinese rivals. He managed to raise money, uh, you know, as um, you know, in order to grow, and he started expanding and outmaneuvering Uber. In 2016, Uber finally decided they were not going to beat out Cheng Wei, so they decided to merge, as they say, and and Didi. Kuching uh, acquired all the assets of the Chinese division of Uber, and it's, it, it, including its brand, its business operations, and all the data for operations within China. Under the terms of the deal, Cheng Wei is a board member on Uber's board in the U.S., and Uber's CEO has a board seat on Didi's board. So you see, he actually outmaneuvered, um, outmaneuvered Uber, and this is the only instance where where Uber's been outmaneuvered by another company, and he's like highly aggressive now. So the company under Cheng Wei's leadership and Chen Lu's leadership, Didi's grown to become one of the largest and highest valued tech startups in China. His company's evolved from a simple taxi hailing application to a um, to a private car hailing to a Hitch hailing, this is social ride sharing, as they have buses, mini buses, chauffeur service, car rental service, and bike sharing service. Cheng Wei is, is also, is those advocating that China needs to focus intensely on the development of artificial intelligence. Didi is investing substantial resources in AI and is focused, guess what, on self-driving cars, just uh-huh. like Uber. That's what you'd expect. 
He believes, Cheng Wei believes that China will be the new driving force for the development of the Internet, with Chinese Internet companies out-competing their U.S. counterparts. So he is a hard Chinese nationalist, as they say. He's not a communist, but he is believing in the trajectory of China. He's a, he reads a lot. In, in 2011, he wrote that he had developed the habit of going to the same bookstore every Sunday and curling up on the couch there and reading a book with a cup of tea. Now, his leadership style, as you might recognize, is cutthroat and tinged with nationalism. <laughs> he often references China's history and military in his speeches. Really? Yes. So his everything is battle, battle, battle. So he's a real fighter, and that's why he beat out uh, Uber. So there you go. Zheng Wei, he's one of the uh, rising stars in the tech industry in China. Okay, so two things. I was screaming and yelling as we went into this bit because the t- the touch screen was not working. Uh-huh. The tech show and the technology <laughs> wasn't working. The, the cable came out of the back of the computer, and we just realized wow, that. that is unbelievable. Uh, I meant to mention to this, this to you. you. You were talking about Alibaba. Do uh-huh. you know about Alibaba Singles Day? No, I have okay. no idea. It is their biggest uh, shopping extravaganza day of the year. This is a, it is um, takes place on Sunday, November 11th. I don't know if it's that if it's a, it must be like a, that like the second Sunday mm-hmm. of November. Uh, it's the anti Valentine's Day festival for singles, promoted as a chance for shoppers to spend on gifts for themselves or other single friends. Wow. And it's grown into a massive global showcase that brought in 25.3 billion dollars last year. Wow. So. Sing- Singles Day. Singles Day. That's Alibaba. right. Alibaba. There you go. I've been hanging on to that for <laughs> six weeks. Wow. You the, know the anti Valentine's Day. There you go. All right. Very good. Okay. It is Saturday morning, and you are listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on the Federal News Network, Federal News Radio. We're at fifteen hundred AM, one hundred three five FM HD two, and one hundred three nine FM HD two. You can watch us do the show. And you can see us drink eggnog this morning and eat stupid cookies uh, by <laughs> downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. And it doesn't show signs of stopping. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet... 
and IT careers, here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, featuring Mr. Big Voice, with musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band, and your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Please sit down, sit down. I mean, the champagne's coming on later, yeah, I later, think they're please. They're behaving because they want the champagne. Put your glasses away. Champagne's coming later. Now, as you know, this is not simply a radio show. It's Classroom of the Airways, and we evaluate whether you have been listening with a pop quiz. And if you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get tickets to fine dining, and you'll also get A-plus for this show. Remember, earlier in the show, I talked about Chen Wei, and the first ride-hailing company that he started was called Didi Dashi. Now, what does Didi Dashi mean when you translate it? That's the question That today. is the question. Okay. If you know the answer to today's question, well, great. Don't just sit there like a Yule log, pick up your phone, and give us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. If you're calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, while winterizing your jet ski, it's 877-936-9333. If you're standing around in the snow waiting for your Uber in... Call us on a wild card line, 877-936-9333. And of course, the seasonally popular international line, 877-936-39333 or 1-800-HICKORY-FARM. That's more than seven numbers. Yeah, anyway. Okay. And if you want to call us from Airbell, Kurdistan, the location of our newest location... You can simply reach us with Skype. Connect to Tech Talk Radio 1 and your call will be forwarded to the studio free of charge. Andrew Mitchell, our adjunct professor for prize distribution and crowd control, is standing by to take your call, so dial now. Andrew is also our head elf. Yes. So when was the last time you ever got a Hickory Farms item? For, uh, it's been a while. Yeah, I really, we were, no. We were talking about that and how much, you know what, that used to be the highlight of Christmas. Yeah, and it's been years since I've gotten a fruitcake. Been years. I think I have one in the trunk. I no, use it as a no, spare tire. No, I'm not really. I'm not begging for a fruitcake, no. actually. But actually, I think the phones are lighting up with people yes. trying to send you fruitcakes. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about the idea of the week: algae-fueled bioreactor for CO2 absorption. I put a picture of this up there, Jim. It, it it's green. If you look at the picture in color, it looks like an Xbox. It glows green. When that I was wondering what that was. When that biofuel is starts activating, it, it it glows green in there. So what it is. It's a this invention. It's a carbon absorbing algae, and it's one of the best ways to absorb CO2. This is you know CO2 emissions in the atmosphere. They think that's causing uh, you know global warming. So how can we how can we absorb more CO2? So U.S. company Hypergiant Industries has packaged the tech into a box box like machine that absorbs as much carbon from the atmosphere as an acre of trees. And this thing is only three feet by three feet by seven feet, and it absorbs as much CO2 as a, as an acre of trees. It does it through the process of photosynthesis, as the algae absorbs carbon dioxide and water and sunlight to produce energy. 
Now, it's designed to be installed in urban environments where it can capture and hold carbon from the atmosphere. It also produces a clean biofuel that can be used to reduce uh, a building's carbon footprint. The reactor uses a specific strain of algae called chlorella vulgaris. (laughs) (laughs) You mastered that. Chlorella vulgaris. This sounds like your teacher name, Chlorella vulgaris. I mean, that's that sounds like a wicked teacher, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh yes, Chlorella vulgaris. That was my third grade teacher. (laughs) Now, now this is claimed to soak up more CO2 than any other plant. Now, the algae lives inside of a tube system and water tank within the device, which is pumped full of air and exposed to artificial light. And it gives the the plant the food that it needs to thrive and produce biofuels for harvesting. Now, Hypergiant Industries claims that the harvesting technology packed into its EOS bioreactor is so efficient that it's 400 times more effective at capturing carbon dioxide than trees taking up the same footprint. It will make designs for the bioreactor publicly available with the hope that other people will try similar solutions and maybe improve on the idea. It plans to further publish details about bringing the reactor to the market by 2020. Hundreds of earthlings are descending on Area 51. This sounds... I kind of wish I was there. I mean, this started out as kind of an Internet joke where where somebody said... Somebody just set up that they, you go there and meet, and they said, if we get a million people at Area 51... And we want to see those aliens in there. They can't stop us. We can just, we can just, we can just crush that front gate and yeah. get into Area 51. Let's see how that works out for you. So half a million people signed up to try to enter the military base in Nevada. Um, so now people were a little worried that this could get out of control. Yeah. So the people that um, and and the event is called Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the the, uh, the 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 page said the Facebook page said we will all meet up at the Area 51 Alien Center tourist attraction and coordinate our entry. Let's see them aliens. <laughs> mm, boy. So so the um, the the people that sort of put the joke on the internet they tried to cancel it, but still hundreds of people are showing up because it's. It's just too much fun to get together and, I didn't and talk aliens. There was a, a visitor center at Area 51. It's a tourist attraction. That's, that's Area 51 Alien Center tourist attraction. It's probably... But so it's not re- It's off campus. It's I mean, off, they're not going to let you on Area no, 51. It's some guy trying to make make a buck off of Area 51. <laughs> I mean, he, he used to have Motel 6, so then he put up, he, he put up, he put up a little tourist... Uh, Tourist Alien Center right there. He had, on his he had a five mart, so he added a one to the five, and there you go. And now it's uh, it's uh, Area 51. It's Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2, and in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. So now the question is, if you're going to buy a phone now, do you really need 5G? Do you? Now, I know I, you're waiting for it. I, I know. that, but, but that's for product testing. Yeah, so you see right now, uh, first generation, first gen, fifth generation phones are very expensive right now. Plus, their antennas and their modems typically only work with a particular 5G network that's owned by a specific mobile carrier. So like in 2020, 5G phones will only represent 9% of the shipped phones worldwide. And by 2023, it'll only be 28% of the shipped phones worldwide. So so 5G is kind of rolling out slowly. Now, Samsung, Motorola, LG, OnePlus already make 5G phones that use the Google Android systems. Huawei re- released their phone that does not use, um, you know, Google infrastructure, but it also supports 5G. But the new iPhones do not support 5G. Now, this is the reason... Apple typically waits for the technology to mature before they jump in. Now, right now, a 5G phone costs a, a few hundred dollars more than a, than a phone which is just supports 4G. Now, as 5G shipments begin to go up, there's going to be a narrowing in price. So in a couple of years, there's going to be a much less difference. Plus, right now, 5G coverage is limited just a few neighborhoods in a, in a handful of cities. We're not going to have full 5G coverage until 2021. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen now? If somebody gets a 5G phone, it's good, they're going to get a first generation. They're kind of trying out the antennas, trying things out, and there's not much coverage for it. And so my feeling is that you just shouldn't go for 5G yet. Go ahead and either keep your current phone or I got my iPhone 6S. I may I may actually switch to the 11 because now that was a reasonable price without yeah. 5G. And then by the time 5G has penetrated the, the marketplace, which will be, you know, in a couple of years, two and a half, three years, then I'll, my next phone would be 5G. Okay. But I don't want to wait three years to get another phone because, well, I want a better camera. Yeah, it's I not know. really It's not really a phone anymore. It's a camera. It is. So the 11 without the 5G, how does that stack up to the 10? Uh, I, I, um, it's cheaper. I mean, it's 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 six ninety nine. Um, it's and it's and why it's, would anybody buy a plus, ten now? I don't think anybody would buy a ten. I think they've got a, a price point on the six 
that is a really good price point to sell. Okay. And don't they have a pile of tens laying around that they need to sell? Well, I'm sure they do. Well, so they'll they'll drop the price on the tens. eventually. Yeah, they'll drop the price on the tens. But the so the 11 has that wide field of view uh, camera. So and so you're not doing so if you. And really, why, why did they do that for you know for selfies and things like that? So you got a wider field of view. And I know you are all about the selfies. I know, but I don't. I never take selfies. But I you know, but I'm, but I'm just ta- I'm just <laughs> kind of talking about them. So so I'm I'm going to actually take a take a good hard look at that iPhone 11, not the 11 Pro. I think that's too expensive, and I don't yeah. need three cameras. But I think the two cameras are are not a are not a bad deal. So I'm sort of. Uh, going along with that. It's Saturday morning and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, and in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Now we're going to have a little bitty celebration here we are, right yes. in the studio. I think Andrew needs to come in. I think Andrew, Andrew needs to come in. Andrew does need to come in, in here. And, yes. Yes. Uh, Mr. Big Boss, would you pass the, the, the Christmas cookies around to the audience in here? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold your turn. Just don't don't crowd around, uh, Mr. Big Boy. I think pass the cookies around. You know, it was 60 degrees here yesterday. Yes. And today it's down in the 40s and windy. I think we need to light the uh, the Tech Talk U log. Uh oh. Wait a minute. It got out of control. <laughs> That's a blast furnace. That's it. It's a pizza oven or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, so much for that. Um, okay. So we have we have cookies. We have. Um, Ugly sweater Christmas cookies. This is my tech gift of the year. <laughs> Low tech, as in uh, this is a kit from uh, Trader Joe's. Wow. Cookies are pre-made. They give you uh-huh. icing and sprinkles and stuff, and you do you decorate your own god awful looking Christmas sweaters. Well, you so know what? At, at the at the Christmas parties at Stratford, we always have the ugly sweater contest. Ah. But we're very careful to only. Judge people who have entered the contest, because there have been times when we somebody was an ugly sweater winner, 
And they and thought they, their sweater was not ugly. They didn't realize <laughs> that they were in, in, in participating in No, this. they didn't really realize it. So now we're very, very careful with that. So I've also brought with me this morning something. I brought this south of the border, and I managed to get through customs with Heis eggnog, which wow. for those of us in Baltimore is uh, this is probably the finest eggnog yes. in the Baltimore area. So that's we're enjoying that. It is unspiked. No, no, and we're giving it unspiked to the audience. The hosts. Oh. The hosts get the spiked I was version. I was feeling lightheaded. <laughs> I'm a lightweight, so. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, that's our, We're having a little Christmas party in here. It's we're just to eat enjoying, cookies and enjoying talk. ourselves, and we're going to pass all these things around to the... Mm-hmm. To the studio audience. You want to talk about the top iPhone apps, or should we Absolutely. eat our cookies now? I think we should. Well, it, as this is a classroom of the airways, they yes. will learn nothing from us eating, okay. other than we are pigs. <laughs> so let's just do the iPhone app thing. Okay, so let's talk about the top iPhones, it, well, iPhone apps. And it, it's kind of interesting. The number one app that was downloaded this year was YouTube. The number two app was Instagram. And that's Instagram is really all the young folks are using that to share stuff. And then Snapchat, that's the oh, ephemeral. The young folks. Number three is Snapchat. And, uh, you know, that's the ephemeral one where you chat and then your message disappears. Then Messenger and then Facebook. Bitmoji is number six. Netflix is number seven. Google Maps is number eight. Gmail is number nine. Spotify Music is number ten. Then we've got Amazon, number 11. I'm using almost all of these, but yeah. except I don't use Instagram or Snapchat. Because you're not a young person. I know. Uber is number 12. WhatsApp Messenger. I use WhatsApp to talk to international yeah. folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pandora I use all the time, number 14. Wish. I don't even use that. I had to look it up. This is like, what a, is it? it's like a shopping app. Oh, okay. It's what you wish for. TikTok is number 16. I've never used that. That is a short-form video. And that's turned out, that is a high-growth area. It's a little bit like uh, Instagram, except for video. And you put very short videos up and you, they're called TikToks. And mm-hmm. it's very popular. A cash app where you can, you know, share, you know, share money with your friends if you want to split a bill. That's become very popular. I don't use Wish, TikTok, or cash app. Google Photos is number 18. Google Chrome is number 19. And get look at this, Twitter, number 20. Wow, because it has really dropped in the ratings uh-huh. in the past year. You know, I think I think there's just too much twittering going on. There is. Okay, so I do not have number one. I do not have the YouTube app. I do not. I I did Snapchat for like a day, and I thought I, this is stupid. I don't get it. So yeah. that, that went away. But I do do Instagram. That's a fun way to share to share pictures. Yeah, Instagram is really popular. Uh, so yeah, so you got that, and uh, and then you know I think I'm good up until you get to uh, wish. Well, I don't have Amazon. <laughs> I do have Uber. I do have WhatsApp, Pandora, and okay. then Wish. After Wish, I'm off. You know, I do have Google. I have one of the Googles on there, but I, yeah, I can't remember which one. That's right. Whatever. Who cares, right? Stand by. We are going to take you into the world of being booze hounds coming up yes, in a minute Yes, indeed. All right. This is a Tech Talk Radio. You're listening to us on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 103.5 uh, FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2, and most importantly, 1500 AM. Watch us do the show. Download the Periscope app to your device. Follow us at WFED Tech Talk. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some coffee. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. You know, this um, spiked eggnog pump is re- eggnog punch is really good. <laughs> eggnog pump. You, uh, yeah. you really Woo. have been hitting the eggnog. Now. Hey, now. Are, now? You, are you still drunk from last night? Or it, was, just... it, it was a rough night last night. Yeah, it was a rough night. But you I'm... did tell me you were going to a party. Yeah, that's right. We did go to a party, and it was uh, it was quite a rousing party there in Baltimore. <laughs> was the fire so, department called? No, the, no. <laughs> they weren't called. Now, the thing is, I want to talk about something very serious as we enter this holiday season. Yes. You must understand the physics of champagne. We must. The physics of champagne. Now, a team of scientists from the University of Reims have revealed the secrets behind the bubbles in champagne uh-huh. and why your glass might leave the wine as flat as a pancake <laughs> or fizzling furiously. A single bottle of champagne, how, I don't know how they calculate this, contains 10 million bubbles. Uh, yeah, I wonder how you do that. As the bubbles reach the surface of the wine, they explode. A phenomenon known as the Worthington Jet. And this has been captured by scientists using 5,000 frames per second. As it explodes, it makes a tiny crater in the surface. The crater closes up and then ejects a tiny thread of liquid, which then breaks into droplets that can fly up to 10 centimeters. Now, that's why when you're drinking it, you you feel this tingle on your nose because you're being hit. By Worthington Jets. <laughs> Worthington Jets. <laughs> now, this, is, this is critical information it is critical when you're going to a party. It's news you can use. News you can use. I mean, you go to a party, I mean, you can talk Worthington Jets all evening. And watch the room clear out. Now, they also, you know, I do have that problem at parties. When I, I start talking, everybody leaves. They also figured out why the string of bubbles known as beads rise from certain points in the glass. It happens that when there are microscopic fibers left by a kitchen towel or just airborne particles that stick to the side of the glass, Hmm. they allow the molecules of dissolved carbon dioxide to coalesce and form bubbles. So these imperfections cause nucleate the bubbles. This finding is important for champagne lovers and for the hotel industry. Glasses that are retrieved from a dishwasher where they've been washed and blown dry upside down are so ultra-clean... 
that you hardly get any bubbles. Not in my dishwasher. That's no. But but if you <laughs> if, if you wipe it with a cloth 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 on the inside, oh this this what? Uh, this eggnog is really good. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> what, what is uh, what if you serve your champagne in and di- just in dirty glasses? Never wash them. Well, that would that would of course work, but nobody would drink it. <laughs> <laughs> but it would look now. Pretty. Top end manufacturers have solved this problem. Now what they do down at the bottom of the flute, the champagne flute, they sandblast it. Uh-huh. So there's a tiny crown of spots on the bottom of the glass that creates flaws to nucleate the bubble. So your really good champagne glasses, you'll see all the bubbles coming from the bottom because that bottom point has been sandblasted. Now, should you drink champagne from a tall or a long stem glass or a shallow cup? Now, <laughs> shallow cup... Shallow cups, uh, you know, CO2 loses one third of its uh, of its gas. It you know, they, they, it loses it one third faster because it's the pressure just you know it's gone. Right. But if you put it in a flute, then the CO2 gas stays in the champagne a little bit longer. Now here's the thing: Have you ever noticed that it's just not the same drinking champagne out of a plastic cup? It is not the same. Have you ever noticed that it's it, it's because the sides of a plastic cup are hydrophobic. Or liquid repelling. And that means that the bubbles stick to the side of the plastic cup. Interesting. So there are no bubbles, but they're all on the side of the cup. So the easiest way to form finer bubbles is to reduce the quantity of CO2, which is dissolved in the champagne, and this is linked to the amount of sugar. See, how they actually make the champagne, they'll, they'll first of all ferment the wine, and then after the wine is fermented with the first fermentation, they'll add sugar... And then they'll cork it up. In the second fermentation, they don't allow the CO2 gas to escape. Ah. And so it pushes into the, uh, into the wine. And so that was sort of discovered by accident when they, when they actually bottled wine in this one, uh, in this one, uh, uh, in this one uh, place in France. Pierre, you know, uh, they were they bottled wine and they corked it too fast and the fermentation was still going on. So now what we want to do is we want to have now a little test okay. on our wine. So right. let's let's open up the wine bottles. So, oh, oh, there we hey, go. Hey, watch your eyes. There we go. Oh. Okay, okay. Now let's. Oh yeah, let's pour the pour the glasses. Mm-hmm. Now you notice here, you you see this? Can, can I take a sip, Jim? While I'm even though oh, I'm talking, it's not going to mix well with the eggnog. Okay. Go right ahead. All right. So let, now you notice here this one champagne glass. No, see how the bubbles are coming right from the bottom, right there. Okay, now let's now look at this plastic cup. They're uh-huh. just they're just all stuck, it's to, the all side. stuck to the it's side. Just, but now I'll tell you, I'm still going to drink the the of champagne out are. of the plastic cup because why the, waste it? You don't you waste never it. waste champagne no. even when you're on a radio show. That's correct. So and this uh, and now notice this other champagne glass that is that does not have the sandblasting at the bottom. We just don't get that many we just don't get that many uh, bubbles from it. Is it possible if, that if they left the, the, the fermentation process going on too long, that the bottle would just explode? Would it just keep making and making CO2 until the bottle couldn't take it anymore? It ju- it'll just keep making it until the sugar's all consumed. That's, oh. That's why. Ah, that's it, the once, magic. Once the sh- so they, they regulate the amount by the amount of sugar in the second ferm- fermentation. All right. But that's also why the champagne glasses bottles are a little bit thicker. All right. got to run. Happy holidays from all of us at Tech Talk Radio. Have yourself... A Merry Little Christmas. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.